Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Well, I got my computer out, so I'll, I'll uh, process it and, and uh, get it what up. What do you think of that laptop? Hey, uh, I actually have an HP laptop, and my charger worked for it. So. What? Yeah, but you need your password and shit. Set it up. Yeah. All right. I'm recording. Yeah. All right. So I'm driving home from Palm Springs, guys. Me and uh, Sean have been talking. So I still got about, what, 45 minutes to get home. So we got a little bit to talk about. Yep. What's on your mind, John? Well, with the animal, the animal beautification stuff. Oh, well, okay. Well, I'll just tell you a story. So one time, uh, I was in the line of the store, and this guy uh, had his Doberman. I think it's a Doberman. They, uh, he was riding in the basket, and just sitting in there, and he had all these crazy like bandages on his ears. You could tell the dog had gone through surgery. This dude was all proud of his dog. But this was a full size dog too, you know, sitting in a basket, which was kind of weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I had my daughter with me, so I kind of can't just go off the handle, you know, on people with your kids, you know, with you, you know. But uh, I actually had uh, savings in the bank, and for some reason, I wanted to go to this dude and ask him, how much did you pay for that? And I was hoping the guy would tell me, like, oh, yeah, it cost me, you know, $1,200. I wanted to offer the guy whatever he paid to have that done, give his money back to him. If I could take a blade to his fucking ear and beautify his ear, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I just wanted to talk some crazy shit. But so I was so angry that he did that to that dog. I mean, I don't know why I was mad, but I just thought it was stupid and sad at the same time. Like I, I wanted to offer him money to let me uh, cut up his ears. <laughs> yeah, you empathize with the dog in the basket. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know what triggered that but when i seen that sign the other day it reminded me of that but uh i, th- I think it's weird how we could uh, alter animals uh force breed them like you know not like puppy mill status but i always see uh, people uh advertising like german shepherds for sale two thousand dollars and i'm just like this really not a purebred <laughs> just you got caught your dogs humping in the backyard and uh now it's a money opportunity for you to sell puppies. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just weird how we could uh, manipulate animals, slaughter animals, and all. You could do whatever you want with an animal, really. Yep, yep, with especially the, the quote-unquote domesticated ones. I don't mean that like in a bad way. You could do whatever you want, but because you know animal abuse. But yeah. Well, I mean, pra- practically speaking, we can. You know, it's possible to do all kinds of crazy shit to animals, and it's pretty fucked up what people do. Like, just like you were saying, the Doberman, I, I saw, first time I saw a Doberman, like, all natural, it was the most beautiful little dog I ever saw, man. I was in the K- Kia dealership, and this old old woman had a, it was a fawn-colored um, Doberman, and I didn't know it was a Doberman, because it had floppy ears and a long tail. Um, yeah, the fucking dog was beautiful. And I was like, hey, what kind of dog is that? And she told me it was a Doberman. I was like, no shit, that's so weird. <laughs> Why do people clip their ears? And she goes, I don't know. I, I have no idea. 
for self-gratification, I imagine. Because my dog is tough. Oh, yeah, it makes your dog look real tough. Yeah. But it's fucked up because, like, they get, um... They get ear infections really easy after that procedure is done. Like, with pits, too. When people do that to the pits, they're way, way more prone to, um like mite infestation like deep in the ear um they're pro- they're more prone to get sick too you know like ear, ear infections or yeah yeah totally and things stemming from uh, ear infections i don't know what cutting off their tails does to them i imagine that hurts like fucking hell well, I understand, like, when you're fighting them because it gives less of a uh, place for the other opponent to grab onto. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're fighting the dog, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just what beautification of an animal. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't um, know. Well, I was trying to think what else I saw in that sign for that uh, animal clinic. Abortions. C-sections, um, yeah. vaccines. I'm sure you can get your dog a corona vaccine. Oh, I know. It, wasn't it that cats were transmitting the uh, the corona vaccine? I heard that tiger got it. Or That's some a, shit like that. Oh, damn. But uh, there's a corona, there's natural corona uh, virus in uh, a lot of animals. I think we talked about it before. Like a dog can have up to a couple hundred different uh, corona vaccines. Yeah. But I mean, look—they lick their ass. I mean. Yep. And they eat—they eat shit. <laughs> I've seen dogs just munch down on cat shit, like oh, dogs man. in the backyard. They come back all excited, <laughs> like it was the best boba gum they ever had. Oh. Nom nom. What if it's like a stimulant? What if it's like this crazy fucking stimulant to them? They're all fucking—they're all wired afterward. Um, I always just thought it was disgusting that dogs fucking enjoy <laughs> yeah. cat shit that much. And not just like cat shit, like dirty, dirt, encrusted cat shit. Yep. Like I'm eating mud, dirt, rock. <laughs> Dude, my dog. Oh, man. I bet you everybody who's ever had a dog has some fuck story about what their dog's eating. Like my dog. Well, okay. One one of my dogs. I guess he was he was Shannon's dog, but. That fucker would, would love to eat peanuts, like, from the uh, packaging. He was a bastard, so it was like, you, you would forget that he eats peanuts, you know? Because it's just weird as shit, and he was deaf, too, so he's just even weirder. But um, he would, like, carry you open in a box, he'd come by, and he would, like, just super fast go and grab a peanut and just munch on it and run. And there's no, no point in chasing him. I mean, it's probably going to cause him to choke. If you grab him. And then uh, another dog of mine, he ate chalk. Like, he loved eating chalks, all the multicolored ones. The baby baby blue ones and fuchsia and all these different colors. And so his shit would be like little fest- festive shits all around the yard. Easy to find. Yeah, he loved that. Balloons, he loved balloons. He'd eat the shit out of balloons. Yep. I don't, know. I don't know. You know what you're about, okay, cats. Um, our, we had one cat. That he would, uh, if you had your um, your pack of water when you buy a, a pack of water, water bottle, uh, water bottles from the store. It's like a twenty-four pack, thirty-five pack. Yeah. 
he would bite into every single um, water bottle. So every one of them would leak. The only ones he could get were the ones in the center. Yeah. And like, so I'd come home, and there'd be like water all over the floor and everything. I'd be like, what the fuck? And I'd like, I learned how to put like, how to put them away. Uh-huh. Uh, bread, any bread, hot dog buns, hot <laughs> hamburger, muffins. He'll rip through the plastic and then uh, get the bread and eat like nom 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 like the bread. And I was like, all right, this stupid fuck. Here last week. I had a uh, gallon, a Ziploc bag of uh, Tide Pods that I left on the counter. Uh-huh. He bit into every one of them and fucking made the whole bag fucking mush. Fucking stupid ass cat. <laughs> uh, so it's not like it's food or... Yeah. Shit, he'll chew... Oh, one of his favorites. Cup of soup. He'll tear into the paper, the plastic, and the styrofoam. And then to like just I don't know what the f- I have no idea what the fuck they do I have to keep top ramen away from them not top ramen cup of soup yeah so if I have a whole brand new pack of a uh, cup of soup they'll bite into every single one of the fucking cups and just destroy it it's almost do they just like eating do they just like getting through the packaging like is that is that the thrill well I had another fuckhead cat that I used to stash uh, snowballs under my bed. You know what a snowball like the host is? Oh, okay. And he would uh, rip into the package, rip through the coconut, and then eat the cream filling. So I was like, what the fuck? And then he would do it to every package. So <laughs> it's not like, you know, you would get one. Like, he didn't get to, like, oh, I still got lunch. Yeah. And, uh, no. So I'll, one day I was like, all right, fine. So I put that shit in his food dish. He wouldn't touch it. That cat got off on the thrill, opening the package, getting into the the box. I mean, I, I never understood that. But you know what's funny is he was obese too, from like all the coconut. Oh the, yeah, <laughs> eating what was it? cream filling and all that shit. Huh? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say his name was Loki. Uh huh. Yeah, he's a big old fat fuck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like that. They're just they're just animals. I mean, we, we like doing weird shit too, you know. So, not, I do do weird shit. Yeah, not surprised. Not surprised. The 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 thing that I would do when I was small was, I and it was super dangerous. I would chew chew on those uh, bounce bouncy balls, you know, the ones you could just bounce real high. Yeah, super balls. Yeah, I would chew on those. That's weird. Super, yeah, I've never in one of those. Yeah, super fucking dangerous. But nothing oh, nothing ever happened, so I guess that's fine. As kids, we do weird shit. My kids still do shit. I'm like, get, like, like, get that out of your mouth. Why the fuck are you chewing on that? Oh, I like to. Like, you have fucking braces and you're fucking chewing on plastic. <laughs> Copying the cats. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but... um for the for the listeners too we, we were, I was talking about this uh, this other podcast I was listening to with Jordan Peterson and uh, this conservative thinker guy and they were talking about uh, I guess the the fabric of American society and, and why why people think that it's degenerating and rightfully so and I guess a lot of the presumptions about what is 
necessary to create and to know what a good life looks like has been undermined um, because people question things of, of you know the nature of what is a man what is a woman like those things are fucking those are fundamental principles elemental principles almost you can call them um, and they give us direction and structure to our lives but people have called it into question and it's funny how you James in particular like that's one of your things like what is a woman what is this just to kind of poke fun at it but at the same time it's kind of yeah yeah go ahead the other day and i was trying to figure out how to how to phrase it Uh so um there's all this uh demask uh uh wussification and demaskalization is that how would you say it yeah okay now we're doing defeminization because you're not really supposed to call a woman a woman um do you think it's going to be offensive soon to call somebody a, a mother? Even if, because, you know, abortion such a, a questionable. You, you could say so to somebody, like, oh, my gosh, you were almost a mother. You're like, oh, fuck you. you say that to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's a lot of shit that's, that some, somebody's going to find a way to let it ruffle their fucking panties. I don't know. Yes. But yeah it's just super interesting man and and i really feel that and what what i took away from it especially when they were talking about okay like how how do you how do you recognize what it is to live a good life and for myself like i was telling james earlier i never had i never had children uh i never got married um and essentially i've I feel like I've extended my hedonistic teenage years all the way into my 30s now. And while I do definitely value all the stuff that I've been able to do, at the same time, there is that weird fucking emptiness, man. And uh, there doesn't have to be. There doesn't have to be, but there there is a, a strange kind of feeling as far as like damn like how did i get here to this particular spot like my trajectory was so different and all of my goals were kind of self-centered maybe that's why maybe that's why i'm not doing what i what i thought i would be doing at this point in my life you know kind of undermine under undermine yourself because of uh society's conditioning to encourage you to just atomize and pull away do your own shit instead of instead of integrating into a family well i think the newest thing is is that uh laying flat movement and i think they do that here in the u.s just because of the well hold on what do they call it they said the only reason why these kids in china have uh, the opportunity to lay flat is because they got uh, rich parents to uh, support them probably yeah i I wondered about that too how, how they're able to do that yeah um, so I'm not saying that, you know, you have your parents to support you because I, I know you don't, you work. Uh, and I don't want to throw some. I think we said something like to Timmy about, you know, the laying flat. But look at all these uh, adult adolescents who are uh, staying at home with their mom, their parents, grandparents, relatives. Not necessarily because they want to lay flat, but because uh, it's so fucking expensive to go get your own place, to go support yourself fully. 
which a lot of these people, you know, they got car payments, they uh, feed themselves and, you know, uh, cell phone bills. But to some people, just those expenses right there, that's, that's something to work for. Yeah. Yeah, no, to- totally, totally. That's and that's interesting and too. That's the normal, the norm. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting too that you mentioned China because China is definitely an example of neoliberalism uh, gone to the extreme, right? So it's like okay, no- nothing of the old ways works anymore, and like China is a super old culture. They have, as a super old culture, conserved and passed down their knowledge of survival, of morality, and all this stuff. And no, it wasn't perfect, but I doubt I doubt that it was anything like what it is now. Even in, well, especially in terms of the government. And so they took this, they took the autonomy away from the people, saying that. You know, oh, we know what's better because there's this, there's this better moral code that we're going to enforce on everybody because we know what's right and there's a uh, there's communism. I know I oversimplified that. I'm kind of a simpleton, but uh, yeah, I think like like lying flat is a natural outcome of communism. I bet the whole country wants to do that, but they can't because they'll die. You well, know. I think well, they keep talking about the population uh, is on the decline. Yeah. It's and everything because nobody wants to have kids. So um, unless they start having uh, free lab babies, you know, yeah. at the Aldi, yeah. what do you think is going to happen to uh, – well, they say within two generations we're going to be – the kids are going to be born sterile. But at the same time, it's if these new kids are going to be born – because if all those need, like, uh, I think, um, my one daughter, she's maternal, but my other daughter, she's like, fuck kids. I don't want no fucking kids. Yeah. She's already saying that at a young age, which is fine. That's her decision. Yeah. Um, my other daughter, she doesn't necessarily want kids for herself, but she likes taking care of kids. So she's going to be a nurse or, you know, something later on in life, which is good. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, she's like, you know, I'll take care of kids, but I may not want one. Yeah. Uh, so there goes our uh, generational bloodline. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really strange, and and like I, I don't want to impose my. I would never impose if I had some kind of attachment to the idea of oh continue my bloodline on somebody else. You know, like I would never make a law, or I would never make a make a contribution to a community's moral code where I say oh, you know, you have to have kids. Or you have to have a family or whatever. But I can't help but feel like the degeneration of Western culture and Western society and the the loss of influence um, in the world as a force of good has to do with the fact that in our culture, now we have this element um, of, you know, oh, fuck kids, fuck all the nuclear family stuff, fuck everything that tradition tells us is good i just ran over something like a animal uh no i think it was a a, a, they call it a gator oh shit a fucking tire yeah Uh, i just want to make sure i had off a flat man i put a fucking whole vibration through the fucking suspension 
You still so feel sorry. it? Sorry, everybody. We distracted from. Uh... Well, let me ask you this: So, if uh, if culture is canceling, there was a, there was a movie. I'm trying to remember what movie it was. Where uh, I think it was Waterworld, where they just wanted uh, him to breed. He was an outsider. Yeah. And they were just like, "Yeah, we just need your seed. Fuck off after that." Yeah. Uh, we'll give you supplies. Uh, if you don't want kids, I, I get that. That's fine. Or at least maybe not now. If, uh, what I say, tomorrow or in days, right? And in the community, you as an outsider, would you breed just to procreate and uh, progress a village? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I would have no no qualms about that. I would. I would wonder why. They would just say, okay, now you're done, fuck off. Like, you know, that doesn't make sense. But, uh, yeah, totally. That, I could go with that. It's crazy. Imagine coming to a, a village like you haven't been into in a long time and you see, like, a bunch of kids with, like, your facial features just all running around. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. <clears throat> I, w- I would test them. I would test their genetic memory. I'd give them a watermelon and say, how do you eat this? And if they know how to eat a watermelon, I know they're mine. That's great. Yeah. I'm coming up the, the pass here, so I don't know how the reception will go. I was going to go my normal way, but there's no phone reception that way. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so in the name of procreation, you would just uh, spread your seed in a village? Well, yeah. If, if I mean, there has to be some uh, some weird, dire circumstances to, to have that happen, but yeah, totally. I had a, a friend who told me uh, he was working in uh, it was Montana or Idaho. Had to be Idaho. And the story goes is uh, he says that uh, the population up there is uh, say like seven, seven to one or eight to one uh, to women or some shit like that. He says that you can go into a bar, and it's not a, fa- a fact of getting laid. He says there's girls in there that'll sign a prenup for a baby. Wow, that's why they go to the bars. Like, need a baby. <laughs> I need a baby. That's crazy shit. Like, do drinks before, after? Or? Yeah, that's hilarious. I don't know. That's that's weird. I, I've heard about places like that where there there's like a, a disproportionate, you know, um, male to female ratio. I do, I do wonder what it would be like to be in a place like that, you know. I know that in the places where there's a disproportionate amount of males to females, that those places are pretty, pretty downtrodden, pretty sad. It's like how it is in China, right? There's a super high competition for partners because uh how many men outnumber women have you seen those outdoor uh i don't know how you do it it's like an outdoor meet and greet it's like you have this little uh you'll bring a picture of your kid and a a resume for your kid but it's a marriage resume oh yeah yeah totally yeah you just like put your like you put your resume right on the table or they put them on the ground too and then other uh parents will come by and they'll browse offer yeah interview the parent yeah straight business transaction hey but you know what my i have i had two friends of mine 
One was from Vietnam. Uh, the other guy, I don't remember what country he was from. Um, but they had arranged marriages. And my friend Frank, uh, I don't remember his last name anyway. There's a lot of people named Frank. But he was Asian. And uh, his parents were super traditional of whatever, whatever um, culture they were from. And uh, they became successful in their country. They moved over here. And then they arranged his marriage like when they were like in their early teens. Hold on. I broke up a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, my, my friend had an arranged marriage since he was an uh, early teenager. Oh, a y- young wow. teenager. And so he actually went through with it. Yeah, yeah, they they just went they went along with it um, because they were a traditional family, and I I had asked him about it one day because I he just brought it up. He's like, oh yeah, I've been in an arranged marriage since I was like you know thirteen or fourteen, and uh, <clears throat> he was like, it it's cool, you know, it's cool because, well, I guess he he considers himself lucky because he was like kind of a small dude and she was like this gorgeous Asian queen according to him. So he was loving it. Yeah, and she was uh, she was really highly educated. He was not, um, and <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so she was earning she was earning a lot of money. But he it was like okay for them, you know. And they had known each other for so long. And at that point, which would have been mid twenties, it was going very well. You know, he was like, yeah, like everything's going pretty damn good. I don't know about now. 50% of marriages fail, so who knows how that works, even in a traditional setup. But, uh, yeah, he was fine. And But then on the other co- on the other side of the coin, my friend, uh, what the hell was his name? God damn. Anyway, I have another friend. Oh, Henry. And uh, he had an arranged marriage, too. And for him, he, he earned a lot of money. He, was, he had a business degree. He was an investor. And he was really successful at it. And then his wife, she's a surgeon. And he said that the marriage was like, it was kind of flat, you know? It was, um, or flat-lined, I should say. It was, uh, she's a surgeon, so she's always working, always fucking working. They both earn the super high income uh, from their own endeavors. And he essentially was just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, I, I see her three hours, four hours sometimes uh, every day during the week. And she's always tired. And she goes to sleep. And then the phone rings and she has to take off again uh, to go do surgery on who knows. And uh, him, he's just like, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I just, I work. I go to massage parlors in Highland. <laughs> and that's. That's how he fucking lives, man. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, if if I had a choice, I would not have married this person. But I didn't have a choice, and that's okay because it's actually not bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what to think about that shit. That's crazy. I told you about the uh, the arranged marriage. I I was uh, asked to go to go into. Or propositioned with what? Uh huh. I don't think so. Yeah, I was in an Indo- Indonesian family. She came here when she was nine. At the time, she was nineteen, and her visa 
had been expired for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so she was going to RCC there, by, or down there by you. Yeah. Uh, but as long as she was still going to school and actively pursuing education, they, uh, they could have sent her over. Yeah. Uh, her mom gave her to her aunt. Her aunt sent her here to the States with her other aunt. And uh, she basically just grew up out here. Yeah. Uh, so I met her through my babysitter, my son's babysitter, not my babysitter, uh, uh, my son's babysitter. And uh, she's like, hey, you want to you meet my friend? I was like, yeah, sure. And then, uh, I don't know. The one friend kind of like really kind of pushed me on her. You know, I don't know if the, the other girl just wanted a boyfriend so she can get out of the house, but she just kept on coming over, kept on coming over. And then uh, then one day she's like, oh, I need you to meet my aunt. I was like, all right, fine. So at this point, we're actually dating. Yeah. And um, so I go down there and then like the mom, the mom is the aunt who raised her. So it's like her mom. She's just like, how, I'm trying to remember how they initially uh, walked me into it, but they were just like, so you're going to be, you're ready to be part of the family or something like that. And I'm just like, what? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, there's a, you know, in it for you. A house? I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. I was like, okay, like, well, what do you mean? You know? And they're like, yeah, but you'll have to move to Arizona. And like the way they were just all nonchalant about it. Deal breaker. And, uh, Fuck Arizona. Now, her aunt, boyfriend, or slash uh, husband was this fat white guy. He was former like Navy or Air Force. And he was just all like involved in it. It was like all smoke. I was the outsider. Yeah. Like, um, and the aunt was really into uh, gambling. So they were always at the casino. Yeah. So my first initial uh, meeting of the aunt was uh, we were having dinner at the casino and they were like flaunting money around. And it was funny because uh, when we were on the way down to the casino, she goes, oh, I got to go drop off blueprints at the contractor and he'll give me a check. So she went on her computer and she um, laid out the conduit, not the conduit, all the utilities on some uh, blueprints for the contractor only took her like 15 minutes yeah we went over to the contractor uh, she printed that uh, shit on a on a roll she had a big ass printer at her house like printed blueprints put it in the tube we took it down to the contractor he gave her a check for forty thousand dollars and uh then we went down to the casino there was a a minion waiting at the casino like a liaison yeah and the aunt just handed her that check the contractor gave it to her and the casino was like like mrs sandoval would you like to put this to your account and she's like yes and she just handed that check to the casino <laughs> yeah like nothing wow. and the, the girlfriend at the time had told me she's like um she's all smugly says she goes my aunt has credit at all five casinos down here in the lower desert and i was like damn there's five casinos down here <laughs> i didn't know they give credit what the fuck uh she she had up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars credit line at every one of the casinos what yeah that was that was pretty impressive how, and, how uh, is gambling that fun though i mean i've never been addicted to gambling so i don't know obviously but like what what did she do like what what does it look like uh, what 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 was the aunt's profession? No, like, what do you do when you're addicted to gambling to like have such a high, like a big rush from gambling? You know. Uh, well, the the, the 
chance of you hitting big or winning? Well, so check this out. My other cousin, my other cousin, one of my cousins was dating this dude, and I met him for the first time. And he was just talking all kinds of shit about how great of a gambler he was. And I'm just like, oh, oh that's something to gamble. You know, that's something, uh, something to brag about gambling. You know, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, you could put me on any game, any table, and I'll win. Thousand here, five hundred here. I, I'm a winner. I'm a hustler. And I was like, you just kept on saying, I was like, yeah, prove it. And he's like, oh yeah. So we fucking rushed down to the casino. I watched him lose five hundred dollars in like less than thirty minutes. Wow. Which is, and but he was cussing, cussing out the, the dealers. Telling how stupid they were and fuck you and all this other shit. <laughs> one time I was standing right there next to the dealer and the dealer kind of just would uh, seldomly look at me in one time when he was getting cussed out. And I kind of motioned over to him like, you know, sorry, you know, I don't know what this guy, because I wasn't playing. I was just standing there. And uh, so every time uh, he placed a bet, he would lose. And then, like, one time I watched him lose this big bet, and I looked over at the dealer, and the dealer just kind of shrugged at me, like, oh, well. You could tell the dealer was, uh, uh-huh. hit. I don't know how he was dealing out those cards, but he was dealing that dude some shitty-ass cards just off the principle that he was cussing at him and insulting him. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, to my cousin's boyfriend, it was a normal night for him. Normal night. He, he was so immune to gambling where he would be cussing out people. And I was like, wow. Guess you do do this a lot. But he lost all of his money. Oh. I thought that was fun. The, the, only time, the only time I love gambling... I'm oh, sorry, I'm eating something. Um, hold on. The only time I love gambling is... Uh, those quarter pusher machines, you know, where you drop the quarter and it pushes the quarters down, down yeah. onto the lower platform. I think that shit is so fun. Like, I, I, I almost always, no, I always lose. I always lose money, but just, just the act of, like, pushing the quarters is so fucking fun. And, like, yeah, it's it's hilarious, man. I love that thing. It's a It's an emotional game. And there is a technique to it. Uh, you have you have to, so it's like the cor- the quarter drops onto the little pneumatic uh, pusher platform, and uh, when it drops, that shock is enough to send a quarter over the edge, right? And then there's also, of course, where you where you place it, and then what the quarters in front of it are arranged like. How many quarters are stacked on the side and it takes a while it takes about like 30 minutes but you can get your money back it just steals your time uh, i'll give you a crazy technique about quarters that you probably never thought about hmm. brand new quarters you got to bring your own quarters there because they have the ridges on them and mm-hmm. once you start building up that little wall that you're talking about yeah those teeth and the quarters all interlock and they push harder oh People now I know. Uh, now uh, I know. I, I would love to have a laundromat, but don't have any fucking laundering services. It's just all fucking gambling quarters. <laughs> just so you can put the coin pushers in there. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, I always find them in the weirdest fucking places. The last one that I found was years ago in uh, in Colorado in a laundromat. 
and all it all it had was like a little uh, a piece of paper that was like taped to the machine it said do not use if under 18 and that was like it you know <laughs> yeah so I was on that shit all the time yep that's funny sometimes I see those in uh, smoke shops or the the mini uh, uh, electronic uh, uh, slot machine oh yeah yep. it's like uh, sort of video gambling Mm-hmm. But I see it in the in the newspaper where the cops will come shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just get your money for what you can. But I wonder if they find the shit out of whoever's the owner, you know, or maybe the store. Hmm. You know what the most crazy form of uh, gambling I've ever seen in, in public was at a it was at a church festival, and they had a this big glass case and it had all kinds of different color uh, like red yellow green you know your primary colors yeah and uh, it was a hole in the board it was all made out of plywood and they would make this little mouse come run out and uh if the mouse ran through the hole that you uh bet your color on you would win and it was a trip because like you'd be standing on the outside the people would be on the inside that were controlling the game and there was like this gas glass uh, cabinet in front of you, and you could lift up the door and put your money like on red, yellow, blue, and there was all these different uh, little gaming uh, areas. So like all kinds of people could play. Yeah. And uh, everybody plays your bet. All right, red. You put five bucks on red, and then they let the little white mouse go running. And then he would go taken off all fast, and then he would just run and you know, dive down one of the holes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, everybody green wind, but everyone that bet on red, yellow, you've lost all your money. That's kind of, I don't know, I feel like like that's, that can be manipulated so easily. So fucking easy. Like, uh, you could you could put a scent trail, um, or like, you could funnel in some fumes from a cheeseburger down, down the, the green hole, you know? Or you could train the mouse. I mean, my mice are really easily trainable in that way. I wouldn't trust that game. Even at church. So you're saying even the random number generating mouse still shouldn't know which hole he's going to go down? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the m- mice mice are just like us. They're creatures of habit. And, uh, and especially they're creatures of... Uh, habit based on reward you know super simple but i guess it could be fair if it's at a church maybe <laughs> well it depends who's running the church true that true that what was that one dude's name i don't know if it was tbn he embezzled all that money you know had like fucking 14 rvs 11 layer jets oh fucking which one dude oh man he had all kinds of money. Yeah. And uh, I was sleeping for a flight one time, and uh, I couldn't go to bed because my hotel room was right against the lobby, and there was this lady that was working night shift, and she was just listening to that uh, that same fucking infomercial over and over and over. So I finally get out and smoke a cigarette. I'm out there talking to her, and I asked her, I go, do you, do you believe in all this shit? And he's like, oh, you mean, you mean Jack? Oh, Jack's the, like the best man ever. He does so much for the people, and I was just like, 
wow, you were just a true believer, you know, like, and I was like, did he go to prison? She's like, no, no, not Billy. That's fake news. Yeah. Billy gave all that money back and he got rid of all his Cadillacs and he sold the beach house. He gave that money back. He's changed. And I was just like, <laughs> he's still not there. No, like, he, he went to rehab. I'm like, money rehab or like what? Uh-huh. And, uh, but, man, what the fuck was that dude's name? Um, I forgot how it was, but he had all these uh, vehicles and pleasure toys. But, like, everybody, when it came to the registration, like, they weren't in his name no more. All he did is, like, change all the registration and the titles, and he got to, like, keep all this shit. Yeah, no like, shit. What the hell was that dude's name? Damn. I- I've seen so many trials of, uh, of, like, I guess you would call them, like, owners of churches that get caught up for embezzling, and the, the schemes are so crazy, you know? So many different money laundering techniques, but that like to, to the point to where it's amazing they got caught and uh with ever since crypto exchanges too that's that, that's been interesting how people are able to sleuth uh online people being the fbi and the cia and all this crazy shit um and find find out how they launder their money what about um the super churches yeah I would I would call like um, Sunrise Church, Sunrise Church in Southern California. I'm not sure if they're in other places. I would call them a super church. They're weird as fuck. So they're they're kind of shady. Um, I was gonna say a super church where they rent out a whole fucking uh, venue or stadium. Oh yeah, like a like, harvest. Uh, just shit. harvest. I don't want to put a label to it, but uh, when I was my when I was working security in my younger days, like. There was a couple of events like Harvest I went to, and I, I'm like, damn, man, there's more people here than there's a fucking baseball game. And then they're, of course, they're uh, propositioning for money and donations and stuff, which is fine. I mean, it's a church. You know, it's tithing, you know, if you're paying tithing. But um, there was one I was supposed to go to, and it was, uh, I don't want to say what primarily type of people were there. But I was like, they were advertising basically get your ticket in advance because there's only, you know, 40,000 seats available, you know, and I was just all, damn, and that shit's selling out, like, so then I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, damn, like, what if, like, all these people just donate 10 bucks, you know, that's a lot of revenue versus, you know, some people can donate more, some people donate less, you know, Yeah. Uh, but uh, there was a couple stadiums where I was just like, um, holy shit, there's a lot of donating people here today. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully a lot of the money went to something good. You know, uh, you just you hope for the best. But at the same time, uh, there's these people out there that uh, are definitely profiting. Yeah, yeah. Like um, this guy that I'm thinking of, uh, he's this black dude. I can't remember what his name was. Um, but he, he was on trial and he was like, sitting there kind of solemn you know and the the judge who was off screen was just reading off questions and she was like uh so the purchase of the 2018 which was at the time brand new uh land rover discovery you know 100 100 plus thousand dollar car so what, what was that for 
And he's like, well, it's for transportation, ma'am. For uh, secure transportation. He, she was like, okay. Why did you need that kind of car? <laughs> he, he's just like, uh, it's the best car. <laughs> Fucking guy. And he had all kinds of shit, dude. He had mansions. He had yachts. Sea dues. You name it. And he stole everything. So absolutely everything from the church. But there's always going to be people like that, man. It's, uh, the church... I don't care to bash on the church too much or churches too much, but churches are a power structure and they're a power structure that can siphon money. And I think wherever that's possible, there's always going to be corruption. It's just the na nature of a, of a power structure. I, I would say tax exemption. Yeah. Tax exemption. E apparently easy to pilfer from. You know, all this petty cash, all this unaccounted cash floating around. No, there's no accountant. There is no official accountant picking up these baskets and thumbing through them, you know. There should be, maybe, I guess. You know, there's a, um, I'm going to leave you with this guy. Yeah, I just pulled in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. There is a, uh, like the platform we're on, the RCC or the RSS. Yeah. There's a letter agency out there, and uh, what their specialty is, is... Uh, in a way, they're an accounting firm, but they're a. There, there's no way to say that, that they're not a money laundering agency. But what it is is you hire this company, okay, and you give them all your tithing money as a church, and you say, "Here you go. Um, I need you to confirm that you know we there's eleven dollars here," mm -hmm. and then they take their money, they do all their accounting stuff. They take the money into their agency, and then they, I want to say, they write you a check back for it. And when they write you a check back for it, that money is no longer tithing, that that money is either proceeds, business, um, asset. And then after that, you don't have to claim it no more. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where, where I read this, but I was looking up the different churches, and uh, I kept on seeing this same letter agency pop up when it was... Uh, like I wanted to know like what Pentecostal was or um, yeah, a different type of Baptist. I'm like, what is this? And I kept on seeing like the same agency was affiliated, but it's a lot of these big churches that's the same company that they uh, they basically take the money from the church and give it to this company. The company does all their uh, bookkeeping stuff and like I said, they give you the money back, and then after that, you don't have to claim that money as an asset to the government or on your taxes anymore. Yeah. So, like me and you, we have our yearly. If we have savings, you have to. Do you have to report your savings on your tax return every year? Yeah. Okay. The church doesn't have to after that. Once you uh, acknowledge that you accounted for the money. Yeah. I think it was really weird. I need to look up more on that to, to be more thing. But like I said, that same uh, letter agency kept on popping up. I'm like, who the fuck is this company? So I started researching the company, and I was like, oh wow. Who knew there was business for fucking money for churches, just for you to count money? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Other people's money. I had a lot of friends that were accountants, actually. Fuck, that's big, that's big business somehow. I don't understand it, but big business. Very different. Well, man, I just got home, so I'm going to go inside and see the girls. I'm going to wash this blood off my face from this injury. Oh, earlier. shit. Yep. Oh, we didn't talk about that. That was that's funny. Yeah, yeah. James hit his head. So now he's now he's dead. The garage door fell on my head. Oh yeah, that's true. 
you got hit in the head. All right, buddy. Well, take care, man. All right, let, well, uh, let me know if you yeah. need stitches. I got you. Got a stapler. Some, some stuff. <laughs> oh, oh man, can you imagine doing that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Good night. All right, have a good one. Good recording, man. I'll talk to you later. Later. All right, bye. Hi. Hope you enjoyed that uh, mini podcast. James is driving back from the low desert to the high desert. I'm sure his ears popped many times and he got hit in the face. He got wedged between a box and a hard place and uh, was bleeding from the forehead. Will he be okay? I'm pretty sure he will. We'll see. Pretty sure he'll be fine though. Um, anyway, this is a uh, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And that is, I wanted to share a piece of music with our audience. The file name, let me just read it, is E Power Biggs, Bach Organ Favorites, Volume 4, Side 1 and Side 2 from Columbia. Now there's plenty of recordings of the organ works from Bach. And each one of them is awesome. I mean, they're, these pieces of music are timeless, and the arrangement of, or I guess you could say, like, the selection of pieces that people play, it's really cool. You know, you can't, you can't do it wrong. However, this recording in particular, for some reason, is the best recording I've ever heard of the Bach organ favorites. And it is likely an exceptionally rare recording of this music because I have never found it online. I have never found a hard copy um, to my knowledge. And I, I listen to classical KUSC, the uh, USC classical music radio station, all the time. They've never played anything that sounded like this. They've played music from E Power Biggs before. And, of course, they play Bach all the time, but I've never heard this recording. I downloaded a file, this file, from Pirate Bay about, man, who knows, maybe like eight years ago now. And after I downloaded it and listened to it, I just, I loved the recording so much, you know, it's so special, the energy, the fervor that E Power Biggs plays the organ works with is just it's beautiful it's, uh, it captures my attention every time and all of the twists and turns of the emotions are just it's visceral I really like it so you know I loved the recording obviously and somehow I lost the file uh, some computer mishap must have happened and the file was gone and this one person in the whole world apparently who was seeding this file was not online for years at a time because immediately after I lost it I found the file um, on Pirate Bay but this person, this one seeder was never online and 
I went on with this download in my queue for years and years and years. And I made many attempts to search for it on YouTube, on all of the music platforms, actually, where you would think that you could find it. And I found versions of it that were not as good as this one. They were not this one. I walked into a thrift store in uh, Redlands, and I was actually... I had just been talking about it. It was so weird. The, uh, what do you call that? A synchronicity. What are the odds that I was talking about this, giving my glowing review to my girlfriend uh, about this music? And in the CD section, the CD racks of the thrift store, which if you've ever been to a thrift uh, store CD rack, there's a lot of uh, selection there. My eyes immediately dart to this lonely CD. No, it wasn't lonely, actually. It was amongst all of the CDs. But for some reason, my eyes just caught it. And there was a CD version of this recording, E-Power Biggs, Bach Organ Favorites. I don't remember which volume it was. Maybe that mattered. But got in my car, played it, thoroughly disappointed. It was not the same recording. So years and years went by, and then one day I turn on my phone at this point because I had it um, in my download queue on my phone as well, just to increase the chances of me getting the file. And I look, and this one person is online, and the file downloads, and there it is, my favorite recording of classical music ever and I wanted to share this audio with you because I, I think while it I may be wrong and it may not be this exceedingly rare one-off recording it's something that I've never found anywhere else and I've uh, I've shared it with a lot of people uh, well, th those who are interested so if you're interested stay put and listen to this beautiful, enigmatic, protracted piece of musical genius. Have a good night, everyone.
Alright, hope you enjoyed that. That was side one, and here is side two.